Chinese officials have reported very promising results with Favipiv... With Favipiv... <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's not me for once. <laughs> I saw this word in the script and I thought, hmm, will he, have, yeah. will he have been practicing it? Yeah. It's Friday, March 20th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. And, well, there has been going on only one thing, basically, the yeah. past week. Well, there's been news this week? On. I feel like there's no, been no news. I, I don't know. No, tr- it's, it's been really quiet. Although the only thing no. I'm really miffed about is that um, I've, uh, I just found out before we came on air that KLM have cancelled my flight to Glasgow on Thursday. What's that about? For no reason. Mm. Yeah, uh, just for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I'm, I'm, That's I'm gonna weird. Get a, I'm going to get on the complaints hotline straight after this podcast. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Please <laughs> also comment on the Dutch News Facebook page with how upset yeah, you are. Exactly. That would be great. I think I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on, uh, I'm Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and home quarantined person. And with me today are Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and quarantined person, and Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and quarantined person. I like I what you did with the job uh, titles there, Paul. That's good work. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard work there. You had to really yeah. think about yeah, it. F- <laughs> yeah, very hard work. <laughs> now, the thing is, usually we have, of course, a job title which relates to something that we did the past yeah. week, but we have all been sitting at home staring out of our windows no, looking I at empty no, streets basically me. i've been not working me. like 14 hour days every day this uh, week <laughs> uh, and, really? I've got, yeah, oh. and i've got two children in the house yeah. so you're the only one who's been staring out the window yeah probably. so screw you okay, paul yeah, but that's, that's basically <laughs> what we have to say <laughs> because you're doing nothing whereas um i'm molly is working 27 hour days and yeah. i'm homeschooling two <laughs> kids and i've already decided that teachers should be paid like two million euros a year <laughs> Two million euros an hour, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really rammed home what a, a thankless task it is trying to. I mean, I've got one kid in the house and trying to get to do his schoolwork. She has a whole classroom. Yeah. Where's the second? Uh, where's your second son? He's oh, at he's work. Actually, he's at work. Yeah. He's. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, he he's gone off to. Um, he, he has like a, a work experience place in a cafe. Now, obviously, they're not serving people in the cafe, but they're still doing takeaways and they're doing a bit of cleaning as well. So. He's still got something. Oh, to that's do. good. Yeah. I thought what happened to your second son? <laughs> Did you already kick him out? Or, <laughs> or, or, yeah, or he could. No, yeah, n- none of us has got coronavirus so far, as yeah. far as we know. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Well, yeah. um, and then, a Paul, lot. And Paul, of course, we should say last week you had a bit of a uh, sore throat and a headache. So uh, has that cleared up now? Are you feeling better? Um, well, I, I've, I started to feel better uh, at the start of the weekend, but I have to say my headache came back because I've been sitting inside all day now. Yeah. Uh, mm. And that's just not very healthy, I guess. So I start I started to do a um, an evening walk uh, at around 7 p.m. or something every night. Mm-hmm. And then I walk to the supermarket to see if they have uh, toilet paper back in stocks. Um, and then I walk back listening a, a yeah. podcast. Well, until, when, when was it? Wednesday, I think they didn't have any. Yeah. Until I got a, an anonymous tip by a, a good Samaritan mm-hmm. that the Albert Heijn had uh, toilet paper back in stores. That was Molly. Yeah. And uh, so mm-hmm. I immediately went there and, uh, and got a nice... Um, pack of uh, yeah. eight rolls so i'm okay. i'm good for the coming uh, so, coming uh, day so, so, so you can poop for the next 10 years can you indeed yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a good reference I can't we'll come back to that later if that or the hamster thing was my favorite thing that happened this week because they are both just so incredibly glorious <laughs> that's true but 
uh, we will not go into detail yet. Uh, into these spoiler uh, alerts. incidents. Yes, we don't give any spo- spoiler alerts. That's true. No. A lot has happened uh, since our last uh, podcast uh, episode last week. A large number of drastic measures were announced uh, by the government in an effort to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Uh, For example, the government announced on Sunday that cafes, restaurants and other horeca would have to close their doors until at least April 6th. And additionally, schools and universities were also shut down. This was a U-turn because until then the cabinet insisted that closing schools was not necessary and would be too disruptive for everyday life. Uh, Schools will still be open, though, uh, for children whose parents uh, work in the so-called vital infrastructure. Uh, This includes healthcare, media, air traffic control, public officials and uh, all sorts of other uh, forms of jobs. Um, And and also uh, also the the councillor guys who drive around collecting parking fines. They're still out there. Oh, really? Is that that vital infrastructure? Apparently it is, because I saw them last night. (laughs) So if your car's parked in the street, beware, you will still get a fine, even though no one's going anywhere and no one's going to work. (laughs) I mean, they just have to, they're just trying to claw back all this money that they're doling out (laughs) in social supports because nothing is happening in the economy right now. Yeah, I suspect that too. Yeah, the government uh, published this enormous list of of jobs which were considered to be vital infrastructure. Uh, Were you included on the list? Yeah, why you're in media, Gordon? Why aren't you? Uh, why aren't your kids in school? That, that's true, but I kind of work from home for a mm. website, so I don't think I could really call uh, it. Uh. I really, really claim on that one. Plus the fact that anyway, my, my youngest son goes to school in Uskase, so I still have to drive him up there. Oh and yeah, just as disruptive, really, and it's keeping him home. Oh. Fair enough. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. It was a little bit confronting for a lot of people to see that their jobs were not considered to be vital. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was really fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the prime minister uh, also made a historic address to the nation on Monday. Uh, in his speech, uh, which was broadcasted live from his office uh, in the Torrentshire, he told the public that uh, we have very difficult times ahead of us, but together we can do it. Uh, the government also announced a huge package of measures and initiatives to help businesses and individuals who suddenly lost their uh, incomes due to the coronavirus restrictions and additionally nursing homes are also closed for all visitors um, during a debate on the government's handling of the crisis in parliament on wednesday health minister bruno browns fainted while he was speaking uh, he later said he was exhausted and just needed a good night's sleep but a day later he resigned uh, and currently the total number of confirmed coronavirus infections in the netherlands is 2460 and uh, 76 people have died Uh, These figures are updated every day at 2 p.m. and they are, of course, expected to rise. So, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened uh, in the past week. When I was looking back at everything that happened last week, I thought, wow, it's only been a week. It feels like months. It feels like a year. Yeah, it it feels like we just lost all sense of time. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, um the I was just discussing before we we started the podcast with our editor about how we were going to handle the the king's speech tonight and she was saying, "Well, weekends are irrelevant now, so I guess we're just all working this <laughs> evening." It's <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's basically true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So this um, is the first time that all uh, we've done the podcast virtually. Almost every yes. other podcast, not almost every other podcast, literally every other podcast we've done, we've recorded together in the same room. So we're, we're trying yeah. this out sort of via Skype. Um, hopefully the sound quality is not... 
terrible. I uh, I saw from some photos, Gordon and Paul, that you guys are currently hiding under <laughs> blankets. So that looks like yes, fun. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Because you claimed that our rooms are too echoey, so we had to make it more soundproof. Yeah. And the only way I could do that was by uh, putting a blanket over my head. Yeah, yeah, I've also got a blanket over my head, um, and I'm worried now that I'm going to develop an allergy and start coughing when I go out into supermarkets. So <laughs> oh, God. This will be and then you'll be immediately lynched by people <laughs> who think you have yeah. corona. <laughs> Exactly. Meanwhile, so, I'm just right. uh, here in the studio, which I uh, set up, and it's very comfortable and nice because I don't have to share it with the two of you. So it's uh, it's been a lovely experience for me. I have to say I miss Truby. Yeah. Me too. I miss Truby, and I miss the long bike ride down to Delft as well. Yeah, Truby so, misses uh, you guys. Truby's been very yeah. sad about the lack of attention. So. Uh, yeah. No. But I'm excited when you see him again. Yes, it'll be very nice to have him back, and maybe we'll just uh, post a picture on the Dutch News Instagram account of Truby looking sad, so that uh, so that our <laughs> listeners know that he is he's still doing well yeah. despite his sort of mild depression about being stuck inside all the time uh, and his self isolation. Yeah, he's not a he's not a dog out. that wants to self isolate. No, although I mean, dogs can't get corona, so can you not just let him out on his own? You know, just to run about. Well, we've been the- we've been sort of walking him on like a very long leash because a lot of people have been. Sort of stopping to ask if they can pet him because I think people are just really craving like contact. And so, you yeah. know, if he's on a very long leash, then he can kind of go be petted by somebody else. But yeah, that's not it's not sufficient. He needs uh he needs more attention than that. So we'll yeah. we'll see how long this lasts. Um so but luckily uh I did manage to find some Ophef. Thank yeah. God. Uh, thank goodness. Thank God. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find uh, OPEF that wasn't Corona related, but at least there was some. OPEF. At least there's yeah. OPEF. Because yes. At least there's OPEF. Uh, there's always OPEF. That's a, that's a plus side. Yeah. Yep. Um, on Sunday, the cabinet announced in a press conference that in the fight against coronavirus, all schools and daycare centers, cafes and restaurants would close their doors until at least April 6th. Uh, the measure also specifically included the famous Dutch coffee shops, which is, of course, a euphemism for a place where you can buy uh, marana and wheat and other soft drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the announcement came at around 5 p.m. and would go into effect the same evening at 6 p.m., and this resulted in enormous queues outside practically every coffee shop in the country minutes after the ban was announced. Yeah. Uh, photos of the long lines went viral all over the world. Immediately after it was announced, however, drug dealers saw a business opportunity texting their menus and uh, their price lists to their customers. And some even handed business cards to people <laughs> in the queues for the coffee shops. Uh, the government has announced, however, that coffee shops are allowed to reopen again for, quote, takeaway deals. Uh, that's similar to snack bars. And this was decided after a meeting with mayors, police and justice ministry officials. Yeah. Never again can we ever say that stoners are just layabouts who can't get their act together. I mean, literally within minutes of this being announced, they were all out in the streets. Uh, or or yeah. handing out their business cards, so you know, credit to them for that. You know, not only were they, yeah. um, not only were the stoners out in the streets, but some very enterprising uh, drug dealers immediately set up across the street from our house and were just selling <laughs> drugs. Like within minutes of this announcement, we were just watching yeah. out the front window. Like how, how is this even possible? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, very and, impressive. And, and this rise in, in, yeah, this sudden rise in criminality is of, was of course expected, but it was also the reason why. Uh, the coffee shops are allowed to reopen again because uh, I I think uh, mayors, the police and uh, the justice ministry, they expected to uh, that drug criminality would would, go out of control if uh, if they would look yeah. yeah, there would be an enormous spike, and uh, yeah, yeah, if, it, it if the coffee spread. shops were closed. Yeah, it would just spread like a virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> 
Um, in other slightly less depressing news, uh, I think uh, I can speak uh, for all of us if I say that we're a huge fan of the new uh, Gebara talk. Yeah, uh, the, definitely. Uh, the sign language uh, interpreter. She is my uh, personal hero. Yeah, sign yeah. language sign language interpreters and teachers should be paid a million pound, million euros a year. <laughs> exactly, after, after I agree with this a hundred percent. It's an incredible job she's doing. Uh, because since the coronavirus outbreak, uh, deaf people uh, and others have called on the government to have an interpreter translate press conferences with uh, important news and announcements into sign language. Which they absolutely uh, this wasn't should, an... yeah. Yes. Yeah, because until now that wasn't common practice in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, it's now Irma Sluis who is now the standard sign language interpreter uh, for every press conference by uh, ministries and by uh, the prime minister. Mm-hmm. And in a press conference where Bruno Bruins uh, reassured the public that hoarding isn't necessary, she went absolutely viral mm. because the Dutch word for hoarding is hamsteren, which literally translates to hamstering, mm. I guess. Yep. Yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're probably going to have to see it because it's hard to explain on on, uh, uh, on audio. But after you've seen what niet hamsteren is in sign language, I can guarantee you that you will never do it again. No. <laughs> you will yeah. feel very no. shamed for hamstering. Yes, you will. You will. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very funny. Uh, it was a great uh, bit of uh, also, yeah. It was just a great bit of improvisation, wasn't it? I guess because I don't uh, suppose that she has to use that phrase very much in her regular uh, sign language work. <laughs> she has to use all sorts of words that you don't usually use uh, in sign language. So yeah. uh, she very often has to improvise, and she told uh, uh, I'm not sure. She she said in an interview that uh, uh, you know she gets to see what the text is in advance, but not very very fine advance so yeah. she has to come up on the spot with uh, some of these words and also um, uh, you know when when journalists are, are asking questions then you also don't know what what questions the journalists are going to give so yeah. um, but yes you, uh, uh, I think hamster is a very very uh, uh, very good word in sign language definitely yeah we're gonna have to uh, uh, put a link uh, to a, to a video or a gif yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. in the line of notes if you if you want to see it yeah In a press conference on Sunday, the Dutch government announced new regulations to combat the spread of COVID-19. Here is a quick recap, although it's not quick because there's a lot of regulations. Mm -hmm. So here is a medium length recap. Cafes and restaurants are closed, schools are closed, gyms are closed, and tragically, sex clubs are closed. Currently, those measures are in place until (laughs) April 6th. Cannabis shops are also closed, but are now doing a takeaway service, thank God. Restaurants can do takeaway and delivery as well. There's at least one bar in Delft that would deliver you a growler, um, which is a service I'm excited to be using this evening. Museums, theaters, and concerts are closed, and all events of a more than 100 people are banned. Um, all of those measures are also in place until April 6th currently. Hairdressers have been advised by their governing body to close, but they are not obliged to do so. Um, I did also see some notices this morning that IKEA is closed, uh, uh, G-Star Raw is closing all of their retail stores, so there's a lot of retail establishments like clothing stores and stuff that were not covered by the the bans the the the, the sort of lockdown rules um but are now kind of choosing to close because well nobody's out anyway yeah and of course ikea closed as well because everyone went to ikea the first thing they did yeah all the bars and cafes were shut everyone just crammed into ikea so ikea said we're shutting down we're shutting down uh (laughs) the eu not the netherlands specifically has banned travel in and out uh for anything that is not absolutely essential that uh is in effect from 30 days from tuesday Um, Schools, as every miserable parent I know, are closed. Uh, Teachers will organize distance learning for children who are at home uh, with priority for children who are due to take their final exam 
games this year. There will be no year eight tests at Dutch primary schools. Um, officials have yet to decide if the central exams will go ahead. That decision will be made on April 6th. Accommodations have been made for children of critical workers like doctors and nurses, as uh, Paul discussed at the top. The NS is operating a reduced schedule. As of Saturday, buses and trams are no longer allowing contact with drivers, which has led to some uh, really great photos of kind of police tape up on front driver doors or like in the front of buses. Yeah. Um, that's not a regulation, but those are policies that have been put in place by the companies. Um, every- and there was also some uh, there was also some upheaval about uh, the NS operating a reduced schedule because immediately after it was announced that you know every uh, uh, we we have to ban groups of people larger than 100. People. People, the NS immediately announced that they would um, uh, start uh, operating uh, less or, or smaller trains. Yeah. Yeah. So people were asking, why on earth are you doing that if we have to, you know, be social distancing? Why are you going to have uh, uh, less trains and smaller trains? And then uh, it turned out that nobody was using the trains anymore. So uh, yeah. it was a good call by the NS. Yeah, it well, was. I mean, I don't think that it, it didn't really make people feel good because, of course, that announcement came in the middle of last week. And so, like, my partner was still going into the office until Friday. So was taking these trains and was, like, worried uh, yeah. that there was going to be crowds on the train. So I don't know. I mean, they probably could have gotten away with just, like, not making an announcement and stressing people out. But <laughs> yeah. it doesn't no, matter no, now true. because barely any trains are running. Um, and if they are running, you shouldn't be on them anyway because you should be working from home. Uh, That's not government mandated, but it seems to be pretty much universal. Um, If you are sick or you have any symptoms, you should stay at home. That should go without saying, but we're going to say it anyway. Um, That is the list, of course, as of the recording of this podcast on Friday morning. There is a possibility that more measures could be put into place at literally any time. So, you know, we will keep you updated. Yes, it is a fast-moving situation. Of course, one of the reasons that they had to shut down the cafes on Sunday was that uh, people started coming in from Belgium. Yeah, it's the yeah. Belgians that ruined yeah. this the, for the, us. Yeah, the Belgians have wrecked it for everybody. Yeah. Again. Yeah, yeah. we're we're all yeah. very mad at the Belgians. Yeah. Um, have you guys been seeing like people out and about? What's your sort of impression as to how people are adhering no, to the rules? It's, it's, it's really quiet. I'm on a fairly busy I'm on a fairly busy street, and usually in a, in a rush hour in the morning, you will see people just streaming by on their bikes. And now it is just a handful of bikes. You know, it's yeah. like one bike every couple of minutes. So no, it's quiet and bright down. And you just see people out walking out and about, going to the supermarket, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Uh, I, although I went up to the on Thursday morning, no Wednesday morning, I went up to the beach, and the beach is quite busy. Lots of people going out for walks, um, obviously because that's easier to keep a meter and a half apart when you're just right. walking on the shoreline. Yeah. Uh, that's probably about the busiest place I've seen in the last couple of days, actually. Yeah, we um, we had to go out to do a little bit of shopping yesterday. It was pretty quiet. People seem to be staying pretty far away from each other. We're sort of hunkered down for the weekend. We figured it would be busier at the grocery store on Saturday, you know, for people whose schedules are a bit less flexible than ours is. So we figured we would get it done during the week. I think that that was probably a good decision. A lot of the shops, at least in Delft, have been sort of implementing these. You can only have one person inside at a time rules. So we sort of had to like wait outside and then go in to do your order and then leave again with nobody else in the store, which I think was seems like a good precaution to take, was making me feel a little bit better about things. How about you, Paul? Yeah, I, How's uh, it been over there with the students? Because you're in a flat of crazy 19-year-olds who all think that they're, you know, that this doesn't apply to them. Yeah, we'll think they're invulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I have to say, I think uh, uh, the, the, the street in front of my house is really quiet as well. Other than the construction uh, site. See- 
yeah, there's a construction site opposite of my street. So whenever I try to work from home, it's annoying because there are some noises from the construction uh, site. Um, but yeah, overall, I think a lot of people just stay at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the universities are closed. So uh, I, I think generally speaking, they stay at home. I did went into Delft last night for an evening walk, or actually I was on my bike. And I noticed that I expected the streets to be completely quiet and to be completely still. But I, uh, I, I did see a lot of people walking, walking, uh, walking around actually. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I was kind of surprised by that. But it wasn't that it was completely. Um, uh, there was a huge crowd or anything in the city, but it, there were just a lot of people. Yeah, we've uh, been uh, we've been out walking the dog a lot. So we've actually been uh, uh, stalking your apartment because we keep sort of walking over that direction, <laughs> uh, Paul. But um, yeah, we've. I have- we we I was actually tempted yesterday to like take a creepy photo of where your apartment is and then send it to you, but we thought we would maybe try to not induce too much corona panic. Um, mm. But yeah, we've been out walking the dog and it does. Well, that seem... wouldn't be corona pa- no. uh, panic. That would be Molly. It's just panic. normal panic. Yeah, yeah but you well, don't need that panic. on top of corona panic, right? Oh no, no that's true. Yeah. That's no, one, true. No one type of panic is enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Indeed. we we have been seeing, I think, more people sort of out, but everybody's just kind of like keeping their distance and like, you know, sort of crossing the street and this kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I think it's been a good way to kind of get out and, and uh, yeah, take a deep breath and get some fresh air and stuff, because I do think it's really hard to stay inside for, you know, 24 hours a day. It is. It's yeah, really I tough. Agree. And I think uh, yeah, a lot of people have been uh, making that point on, online you know, that, 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 that looking after your, uh, your health and in particular mental health when you're in lockdown is really difficult but important as well. So if people are getting out for walks and just doing a bit of exercise uh, is going to be really, really crucial. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I agree. And I, and yeah. I, I, do, my, I do my walks uh, either early in the morning or a little bit at night uh, just to avoid uh, to see so many people. Uh, yeah. Because I think if you if you go outside in the in the middle of the day, then there are still a lot of people who just have to be outside yeah. or are going to the grocery store. So yeah. uh, I just try to to time it uh, at very quiet hours. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. very early in the morning because there's also not a lot of people out at seven a.m. So that's also nice. Yeah, yeah, I- I'm lucky because I'm about five minutes bike ride from the dunes. Yeah, and once you get into the dunes, it's always quiet. You know, yeah. even on the normal day, so no. it's quite easy to avoid people. Yeah, yeah. Although we, I would did, love to go to the dunes now. We did. Yeah. Uh, we did suggest to people you could probably cycle there. I guess, Paul. We did um, on Facebook. We did suggest to people that they go out and take a walk and uh, get some fresh air. And uh, uh, people lost their minds. And yeah, there was just four hundred <laughs> comments of people be screaming that you have to stay inside and that we were like encouraging, like they were going to report us to the police and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you people have to get out and take a walk. Like that's not an unhealthy thing to do. We are not at a point yet, at least, where you can't do that. And even in the places where people are really, even more seriously locked down, um, you know, in other places in Europe, that people can go out and, and take walks. In, in Belgium, you're allowed to go out with one member of your household and walk. Um, and there's some, some similar rules in Spain and Italy. So, you know, if you, if you are, uh, feeling a bit cabin crazy, a nice long walk, you know, preferably outside the city center and cross the sidewalk if uh, you run into other people, but that's a good way to uh, get some fresh air. First, it was a football season, then the Grand Prix at Zandvoort, and then in the most devastating blow of all, coronavirus... Coronavirus silenced Eurovision. I was so upset well, when I found out about this. <laughs> I think so every, everybody upset. was. I think yeah. it's probably the. I'm, I'm not sad that Eurovision is silenced because the music <laughs> is usually very terrible and awful. Yeah. 
but it's it's still a shame that it's uh, yeah. postponed. Yeah, the fact the whole event and the whole kind of circus around it is not going ahead is uh, definitely a, a damper on the mood. Indeed. Uh, yeah. But it does mean that the Netherlands will be the Eurovision winner for one more year. That's true. Yeah, least. we can say we're winners for two years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, the virus arrived just as the Netherlands was gearing up for a season of international set pieces. The European Broadcasting Union confirmed this week that the song contest was being cancelled for the first time in its 65-year history. It had been due to take place in Rotterdam in May. The city is now in talks with the broadcaster to see if it can host the event next year instead. In football, the Eredivisie season has been suspended until April the 6th, along with all amateur football competitions and training sessions. UEFA has postponed the European Championships, which are due to be staged in 12 cities around the continent, including Amsterdam, for 12 months. If the football season is postponed longer than April the 30th, it's likely to be abandoned because there won't be time to catch up on the fixtures. And the FIA confirmed on Thursday that the Dutch Grand Prix, along with the races in Spain and Monaco, now won't take place in May as scheduled, but they still hope to start the 2020 season as soon as it's safe to do so. So, um, yeah, going back to uh, the important event, that's yes, indeed. Eurovision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did the Dutch Eurovision entrants have to say about this? Yeah, Jan-Ju McCroy uh, said he was sad and disappointed uh, that the event had been cancelled, but he said, uh, quote, we have to balance it against something more important, which is everybody's health and well-being. Uh, his song, which is called Grow, was chosen from a contest which had the theme of Open Up, which makes it especially poignant. Now it's fallen victim to a shutdown. The new theme, yeah. <laughs> yeah the new theme will be lockdown. Yeah, yeah it will, true. basically. Yeah, not down Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, he, the, the, they've said he will uh, be the entrant for the competition next year, but it's not known if he'll still enter the same song. Uh, all no, I can that's say not allowed. So, uh, all right, so we'll have to come up with a new one. Oh, maybe yeah. they'll yeah. change the yeah. rules. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of unprecedented times, yeah. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All I can say is, as long as he doesn't uh, sing Bono's Corona Ballad or, or, or do or do Imagine on his phone. With I was going to say, as long as he doesn't fine. do a yeah. cover of Imagine, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, anything but else. Bono announced a uh, a Corona ballad, right? Yeah, so, yeah he uh, did. When I heard that, I thought, no, things are not that desperate yet, uh, Bono. Nope, but on. apparently they are. Yeah, they but are. He's yeah. De- I guess he's desperate because the borders are shut and he can't get to his money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, uh, go and see if his uh, briefabus is still fine. Yeah, yeah. We, should take, yeah we should check that out. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. send him a text saying, Bono, it's okay. You can stop singing. <laughs> Your money's still there. Um. You have written into the script, Gordon, a question of, yeah. that I'm supposed to ask you about Ronald Kuman, who I don't yes. have any idea who that is. So what's, what's uh, Ronald, going on did, with this guy? Uh, Ronald Kuman, who is the national team football coach. Which, oh. uh, I'm, I'm I mean, sure he's not Dick really. Lawyer, so I don't care. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> he, well, he, he's, um, he was talking about the postponement of the European Football Championships. Um, he said it was disappointing, but understandable. But on the plus side, it does give him more time for key players like Memphis Depay and Daniel Malin uh, to get fit because they're injured at the moment. And there was also a lot of speculation about uh, what's called the Barcelona Clause. Um, Ronald Koeman used to play for Barcelona and he's always said he wants to be manager of Barcelona. So he had a, con- he had a clause written into his contract with the Canfe Bay saying that um, if Barcelona uh, made an approach for him, then he could be released from contract but only after the Euro Championships and okay. everyone's thinking uh, if the European Championships are postponed for a year does that mean he can get out before the Championships and he said no it, 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 it's um, it, the, the date is tied to the Championship not to a particular date on the calendar so he will still be manager for next season or for next summer's football tournament so there we are 
That was I'm surprised that he's so open about this Barcelona clause. Usually well, they're very secretive about uh, well, he's only, contracts he's, and what the... Yeah, he's only open about it because the media found out about it in the autumn. So he, uh, he, had, to, so he had to come clean, basically. The, the Telegraph, I think, got wind of the fact that he had this clause in his contract. Um, because I think Barcelona were talking about replacing their manager back in about November. And everyone said, well, is Koeman in the running? Koeman, and the Telegraph discovered that Koeman had this clause in his contract. So, yeah, uh, he, he, had to, he, had to, he had to fess up about it. The Netherlands is adopting a strategy of maximum control to deal with the spread of coronavirus, Prime Minister Mark Rutte said in a televised speech to the nation on Monday evening. It was the first time in decades that the Prime Minister directly addressed the nation on television. The last time was in 1964 during the oil crisis. That wasn't Mark Rutte, though. No. Uh, that would be impressive, yeah. Yeah, that would, yeah, would be really impressive. He, he, would have been like a, he would have been like a teenager then. No, less. He'd been younger than that even. He would look the same, though, yeah, I'm sure. He, exactly. he probably would, yeah, same glasses. Yeah. He would definitely be wearing the same anorak. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the cabinet's aim, Rutte said, is to try to spread the peak infection over a long period uh, while we build up herd immunity. This means that hospitals and intensive care units are not overburdened and they have capacity to help the people most in need. The rules that the government has introduced to try to stem the virus are unprecedented in peacetime, the Prime Minister said. And in a message aimed at older people and people in bad health, Rutte said, I understand you are worried. Rutte also said that it is of great importance to be steered by science and that the advice of experts had been leading in all decisions taken since the virus made it to the Netherlands. He also thanked people in the Netherlands for how they have followed the rules so far and asked people to stay alert and care for each other. An English translation of the full speech can be found on DutchNews.nl. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a speech. It was a it was very interesting to sort of see everybody kind of like tuning in in this moment in the in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah seven million people watched yeah. it. Uh, that this um, or, or collectively the seven million people watched it, and it was one of the most viewed events in uh, recent history. Yeah. Uh, I think only the wedding of uh, Willem Alexander and Maxima was watched by more people, yeah. uh, and some sport events. But yeah, it was impressive. And uh, how was it received, Paul? It. Like, how did people sort of take it uh, I think it was received well by the public and also po uh, political commentators and other politicians uh, said it was a very good speech they praised the unifying tone and also the message of solidarity uh, there was some critique however um, yeah, not surprisingly from Thierry Baudet of Forum for Democracy and Geert Wilders of the Freedom Party they said that uh, hoping for herd immunity is a risky strategy and uh, they also called uh, on a total lockdown for the country and well they have a point there because um, I think it was the UK who also had the strategy of herd immunity and it was widely criticized by uh, all sorts of international organizations such as the World Health Organization but it was a little bit misleading I think Mark Rutte should not have used the word herd immunity yeah because people seem to sort will. of latch on to that and he also acknowledged that later in the debate he said that I should not have used this word because it looked like that was the aim the goal of the of the whole strategy yeah. um, uh, yeah. while uh, it was sort of actually a sort of a side more like a side effect I think it was kind of controversial because in the UK what they were trying to do until last week was they, they argued that they should try and build up herd immunity quickly and the WHO was saying that's what you shouldn't do because then it runs out of control. Whereas the Dutch strategy is more about put the controls in now and just let the herd immunity build. But what I think where Rutter made a mistake I think is where he talked about building the wall which sounded like you were actually actively trying to make herd immunity happen rather than having it as kind of a passive effect of what you were doing. 
Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I think that's why people got um, up in arms about it. Also because they, they, they saw virologists and people on, on the news and on news here talking about um, the number of people who could die in the course of the outbreak and quoting figures like 40 to 80,000 and people are saying talking about that as if that's the government's intention whereas in fact we've, we've passed the point now where you can save everybody's life because we reacted too late and it's now about actually trying to limit, get the numbers down below the kind of you know, hundreds of thousands you could have if you if you leave the virus unchecked. But doesn't it mean that the speech was a very bad speech if it caused so much confusion and so much uh, questions and uh, yeah, basically panic about uh, what the government strategy is. If you say something and people interpret it in a certain way, even though you don't mean it, then it was a bad speech if you would allow people to interpret it. I think that, that part it was badly phrased, the emphasis was in the wrong place and um, that's why Rutter came out and corrected it in the next couple of days. And he, he, had to, he had to write a speech in a hurry and he didn't get every single sentence in it right. I kind of felt in general it was a good speech, but yeah, yeah. The, the point about herd immunity wasn't, wasn't explained as well as it could have been. And to his credit, he revised it pretty quickly. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, you said earlier, Gordon, that, that we reacted too quickly, so it's too late to save everybody's life. No, and too, I don't, too slowly, too slowly. I, yeah, I don't know that I, that, yeah, sorry, too slowly. I don't know that I, um, that I totally agree with that. I mean, I think that the, the, these kind of pandemics, even if governments respond perfectly like that there's just no way to guarantee that people aren't going to kind of die from it i mean i think we're too in the middle of it to know at this point like whose response um has been the best i was listening to a discussion this morning with some epidemiologists who were talking about how i mean obviously the u.s's response has been by far the worst so let's let's all just be thankful that we're not living there but they were saying like, well, the South, both South Korea and the U.S. had their first confirmed COVID case on the same day. And South Korea was much more aggressive with testing and this kinds of stuff. And so the number of cases and the number of deaths in South Korea has been much lower than it's been in the U.S., where just about everything about this has been bungled from President Trump saying that it wasn't real to there being issues with the testing kits and just everything has gone wrong there. But these epidemiologists this morning were saying, well, they've been sort of using this strategy strategy of like test everybody and then isolate anybody that has it, which does slow the spread initially. But now that they've released some of the social restrictions in South Korea, the disease is popping back up because most people are not immune to it. But in much smaller numbers and a much lower rate than it was um, spreading beforehand. So yeah, yeah, if you release the control slowly, then you can monitor how how fast the disease is spreading. And if it does start to accelerate again, you can put the controls back in. Back in. Yeah. Yeah, And so, I I mean, I think that like that just sort of shows that, I mean, inevitably, most people are going to get this. I mean, it's a flu. It spreads very easily. And like, this is just something that people are going to get. And unfortunately, that people who have compromised immune systems or who are older or who are very susceptible, like there are people who are going to die. I mean, people like this die from the regular flu. And I don't want to say that to, to be like terrible or harsh or something like this. But I think like, you know, we have to be aware of the fact that when you have diseases that spread that that people that kill people that people are going to die from them you know no matter how good your doctors are that it's just like it to have a zero percent death rate i think is just it, it, you know as some of our facebook commenters have been saying like this is just not a feasible that's like not sort realistic. of outcome no. yeah no that's, that's not a possible option when i say we reacted too slowly i mean everybody reacted too slowly yeah to this because they, they could see how it spread in china and if they paid more attention to that, they might have been more aware sooner. Because the RIVM was saying, even at the end of February, that this disease didn't spread that quickly from person to person. At that point, Wuhan was already on full lockdown. Yeah. So 
You know, on the other hand, China is an authoritarian state where you can sort of do these things without there being, you know, even a need for it, right? That you don't have to justify to your population why you're locking them inside their houses. And so, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think governments have just been in a really difficult situation. I mean, I think there's been some obvious bungling, like the U.S. is clearly an example of that. And I think for everybody else, you know, I think in a couple of years, we're going to have a lot of PhD dissertations that get written on like whose response and how do you respond to these things in a in a good manner. And the thing that I hope is, is that, you know, we all learn from this. And so when the next pandemic comes around and there's going to be a next one, that we are much better prepared for how you yeah. react. And we have a much clearer understanding of like which of these many approaches is like the best approach to take. So, Paul, there was also, of course, a long debate in the trade of karma. Um, and uh, what happened there? That had a sort of dramatic moment in it as well. Yeah, uh, you can uh, definitely say that the debate lasted for 10 hours, which also arose some questions. Would we really want to have a debate that lasts 10 hours with five ministers who, you know, can't deal with the corona crisis as they are sitting in a Tweede Kamer? But that's a Mm. different different debate. The outcome is that Dutch MPs have backed the government's approach to handling the coronavirus outbreak in the Netherlands. Uh, Only two far-right parties uh, were calling for a total lockdown. Uh, there was also a vote to give healthcare personnel a bonus to thank them uh, for their input. And this was uh, unanimously uh, approved during Wednesday night's debate. It was uh, also during this debate that Health Minister Bruno Brauns collapsed while speaking. Uh, he had to be helped uh, out from the chamber. Uh, he said later on Twitter that he was exhausted and needed a good uh, overnight rest. But he resigned the following day, however. Yeah, um, no, that was on doctor's advice, basically, wasn't it? He was, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he was completely exhausted. He was overwhelmed. And, uh, yeah. he was overwhelmed, overstressed. Uh, and also, so, yeah. the way that Dutch administration law works is that if you are a minister and you're still the minister, even if you're sick, but you don't resign um, or you're not like fired, then you, someone else can't have your ministerial power. So even if he thought, I mean, I'm not sure that this is the case, but even if he thought, well, I'm just going to take a weekend off and like come back fresh on Monday, that would mean that for like four or five days, there's nobody who really can like make these kinds of decisions. And I think in a, you know, in a situation like this where things are really rapidly changing that like he he really made the right move to let somebody who's just you know got a little bit more of their head in the game right now to to do yeah, this definitely i agree uh the new minister is uh, hugo de jong who was already of course a health minister but he's now taken over all the tests and all the responsibilities of bruno brown so he is now yeah sole minister at the health ministry. And of course, yeah, he's and, uh, most famous for our podcast listeners as wearing ridiculous shoes. So, yeah. Yes. But, but I, I haven't seen his shoes recently, though, no. so I'm not sure if he's still wearing them. No, but but, but, but definitely, I mean, who could on his shoes would remind you to keep a one and a half meters away from him. This is so true. So... <laughs> That was an excellent point, Gordon. That was an excellent point. I should revise my assessment of, of, of Hugo de Young and say, like, you know, he's been doing social distancing since before yeah, it was cool. Exactly, since he was appointed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was also during the debate that Prime Minister Mark Rutte again reiterated that group immunity is not the aim of the Dutch policy. Uh, and he also admitted that uh, a misunderstanding had uh, arisen uh, after the, his televised speech. Um, the aim of our strategy, he said, is to make sure the care uh, sector can cope, that the elderly and the vulnerable are protected as much as possible. And he also said that the Dutch approach is very similar to those in other European countries, which claim that they are currently in lockdown. Yeah, and uh, that was also confirmed by the uh, RIVM uh, chief uh, Jaap van Dissel, who said yeah. a similar thing. Yeah, I think that's the thing with, the, with with the lockdown situation is that we're kind of heading into a kind of de facto lockdown anyway, because nobody's going out and everyone's getting the message. 
So, and I think somebody, yeah. um, you know, there was a, a virologist on news here saying that a lockdown in practice in terms of disease control will not actually do much more than we're doing right now because, you know, th there is so little social contact between people. So when you have uh, Baudet and Builders jumping up and down saying we have to have full lockdown, it, it's kind of really more of a symbolic gesture than anything, given the state that we're in right now. It's a good buzzword, right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, you can, it's you a can, hashtag. Uh, yeah. It's a hashtag. You yeah. can you can say we we have to go into lockdown, and the government yeah. is not doing enough because we're not in lockdown. But if you are in de facto lockdown, then there is not much more you can do, basically. Yeah, I guess. and I, I think one other thing too that that people you know of course are not really thinking that much about is is that the more you sort of tighten the rules, the more likely people are to break the rules, and that also creates a lot of externalities that we don't like want to see i mean like you know if anybody yeah. was ever a teenager who snuck out like at night right that you're gonna see you know then you sort of multiply that feeling by 18 million adults who are climbing or 18 million people who are stuck in their house and climbing the walls and you sort of start to see i think people make dumb decisions and i think that there's yeah. some concern that the more you know you could post a cop in front of everybody's house and and have a police officer escort you to the grocery store or something but those kind of measures really they they put a lot more stress on people. They make them feel a lot more anxious and they create an environment where if you want to do, you know, if you just want to go out for a walk, if you just need to stretch your legs because you've had yet another mm. fight with your boyfriend, not that I would know anything about that, that like, you know, you're going to start to sneak out the back door and you're going to start to do these other things. And I think the government has to very carefully balance the sort of like all of these, yeah, sort of externalities that, that it seems like a lot of people are just kind of not considering. Yeah, and also, yeah. I mean, the, the, you have know, the danger, I think it was, of like lockdown fatigue. I mean, you can't have people just shut up in their houses indefinitely. At some point, you have to let them out again. And yeah. if, if there is no immunity at all, then that means the disease is just going to come back. So it's a very difficult decision, a very difficult balance, and I don't envy the politicians and the disease scientists who are trying to work it out. No. You know, you, 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 if you go too late, as the UK government were in danger of doing, then you risk uh, having a mass infection and uh, your health service breaks down. But if you go too early and then you let people out before the disease is fully under control, then you're risking another kind of disaster as well. So, you know, I think it's important when people talk about lockdown not to pretend that it's, it's a kind of panacea and it's a, it's a solution that will save everyone from dying of the virus because it's not. It's, it's one of many options and they've all got their uh, pros and cons. So, Paul, fortunately, yes. there was more things that the prime minister has reassured, reassured us about. Um, and some of, one of these things in particular, I think, has been, been very important. Can you tell our <laughs> yeah. listeners about this? Yeah. Yes, uh, Mark Rutte visited a supermarket in The Hague on Thursday uh, and there was a woman uh, doing her groceries there and she pointed out to uh, Mark Rutte that the toilet paper was back on the shelves again. Yes, they have it again, he said, and uh, he also added that the country has more than enough toilet paper and he said the already legendary words, we can all poop for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will point out has like Reuters did a story about this. I tweeted the video out that has like gone like, I don't know, half viral. Like I've already shut off the uh, notifications for that because I can't pick up with it. People are really, really viral. amused by this video. It's great. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It, went, it went viral, as you said. Yeah. It was also picked up by international media, yeah. including the New York Times, yeah. which uh, ran the headline, Dutch PM 
them tell citizens to relax, <laughs> saying there's enough toilet paper for the next 10 years. Yes. yes. So relax. Relax. No need to hold it in. No need to, yeah. No. <laughs> I think I thought it was a really kind of, kind of very earthy Dutch moment. You know, as Churchill had his speech about blood, toil, tears and sweat, Rutter just says we can poo for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> just in the supermarket to somebody, right? Because he's just there in the supermarket. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to the BBC who like two weeks ago did this interview with a the like some managing director from a toilet paper manufacturer in the UK where he explains how toilet paper is made and how he talks about how he says something like, you know, normally in this time period, since the start of the year, we would have sold like 28 million rolls of toilet paper. And now we've sold 64 million rolls of toilet paper and people are really stressed out about this. And then there's like this like pan out camera shot. And he's like, but we have 220 million rolls in storage right now please calm down with the toilet paper warning <laughs> like it's really Not delightful necessary. yeah Turning to medical news, Dutch scientists have identified an antibody which could be used to develop a medicine for coronavirus. The researchers at University of Utrecht and Erasmus Medical Center in Rotterdam have stressed that an actual drug is still months away at the earliest and success is not guaranteed. The research is awaiting peer review before it can be published in the scientific journal Nature and a pharmaceutical company has to be found that can develop it, although I imagine that wouldn't be too difficult. And the medicine, of course, <laughs> also needs to be tested on human subjects. The antibody could also be used for a diagnostic test so that people can find out if they've had the virus and are now immune to the infection. Erasmus professor Frank Hosfeld said the medicine was less effective and more expensive than a vaccine, but it could be ready much sooner because it might take 18 months to two years for a vaccine to become available. So uh, what other medical solutions are being explored for coronavirus? Uh, well, just the blood banks are going to start testing blood and plasma samples for the presence of antibodies. That would indicate that the blood donors had the virus and developed resistance. The blood bank operator Sankrin says it will test 10,000 samples it receives this week. About 99% of donors are given their consent for the test to be carried out on their blood. Plasma donors are especially interesting here because they donate more regularly, around five times a year on average. So they'll get a much better idea of how the immunity is building up in the community. Um, microbiologist Hans Zayer said around 2,000 blood donors come to the blood bank every day, which is a good representative sample of people aged between 18 and 79 across the country. There's also been talk of using the BCG vaccine against coronavirus, uh, it's an old school um, remedy. The vaccine's been used in the past against tuberculosis. Although it doesn't target a specific illness, it gives a boost to the overall immune system. And it's been tested on health professionals initially in the hope that their symptoms will be less severe and they'll be able to carry on working. 500 staff are going to be given the vaccine and another 500 will receive a placebo uh, to test its effectiveness. And finally there's been indications that chloroquine, which has been used in the past to prevent malaria, might be effective against coronavirus by inhibiting its symptoms. Uh, it was used effectively against the SARS virus, although the reason is that it's not being used to treat malaria anymore is that malaria became resistant to it, uh, so that might oh. be a problem further down the line. But in the, in, the, in the short term it could be a potential remedy. Chinese officials have reported very promising results of favipirivir, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, that's a drug that's been developed in Japan and in a trial of 340 patients in Wuhan and Shenzhen, patients recovered after four days on average compared to 11 days without treatment. Yeah, I also, um, I heard a story that um, uh, that they've also had some success with, what is this drug called? Thalaminoline, which was like a thing that they used to treat morning sickness in women in like the oh, yeah. 70s, but it caused like horrendous birth defects. Um, yeah, that, that was a thalidomide scandal. Thalidomide scandal, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, But apparently in a bit of a last stitch effort to save some people in China, they used it and had some like good success. So now they were also investigating whether 
or not that could be used as a treatment. But also, I guess when people have been comparing this outbreak a lot with the Spanish flu, but you know, which was a hundred years ago, we, we've developed so much in terms of medical science and understanding of uh, vaccines and medicines that we were in a much better position to find remedies for this than we were a hundred years ago against Spanish flu. So. Hopefully, within the next few months, um, we will be in a better position uh, than we are right now. Yeah, there was. Um, I read this really interesting article in the Smithsonian about the the Spanish flu, the Smithsonian Magazine, which actually I think I tweeted today or yesterday. But they were talking about that one of the reasons that the Spanish flu was so bad is because that it was it happened during World War One, and exactly yeah. that. Um, Basically, there were some outbreaks amongst soldiers and governments were really worried, in the U.S. government in particular, who just seems to be leading the way and making dumb decisions about pandemics. Like they sort of like sat on it. They refused to let newspapers report about it and stuff. So like huge events like St. Patrick's Day parades and whatnot, because the breakout happened about the same time as this one has mm-hmm. went forward. And then there was just like massive spreading of this disease, which was particularly bad because the Spanish flu killed mostly people who are between like the ages of 20 and 40. So it had much like a larger impact on like younger people actually than like older people it's a bit different than it is now but that yeah it meant that it spread like crazy so you know one of the things at least at the bare minimum you know all of these governments are being as far as we know like pretty you know straightforward and upfront with like the testing data we're just getting much better information than we were in 1918 where the governments were like censoring newspaper reports about it yeah that's true i I read a really interesting thing about the the sars outbreak which is i think 2003 to 2004 that also originated in china and the chinese were very secretive about it originally and that meant that it just spread because no one was being told about it and they weren't telling the truth and that led to a problem because SARS had about a 10% mortality rate whereas when this infection came out despite the fact that China is a very secretive country that they made real efforts to alert the world about it and to publish uh, papers in English so that everyone was aware that this was a really dangerous disease and it was if it headed to the rest of the world we were in for some real problems and we needed to take preventive measures as soon as possible yeah yeah so hopefully it will not be as bad as the Spanish flu because that killed my entire family. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, it killed more people than the entire World War One. It, uh, and in numbers, it also killed people more people than the plague. I mean, of course, like population wise, there it was it was quite different. But yeah, it's like it was really really bad. Yeah. No, it killed my like it, my great grandparents' generation just were entirely wiped out by the Spanish flu. Hey you. Yes, you listening to this podcast for free. We're really glad you like all of our Alpef coverage and our dick lawyer jokes, but it costs money to bring them to your ears. If you have a few extra bucks and you would like to support the work that we do, you can now back us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to donate. We will give a shout out to all of our backers on the podcast. If you donate 50 euros, Gordon will dedicate the next podcast to his love of lavender strope waffles. For 75 euros, I will suffer through one entire football match. For the low, low price of only 100 euros, Paul will vote for the Socialist Party in the next election. So please go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to support us and to keep Truby fed. His dog food is extremely expensive. Moving on to economic news, which is also depressing. On Tuesday, the ministers of economic affairs and climate, finance and social affairs and employment announced a comprehensive package of measures to try to mitigate the economic impact of the coronavirus. These were in addition to or replacing some previously announced measures. So let's talk about these first. They include a number of things. For many of our listeners who are Zayzay payers, self-employed entrepreneurs, including self-employed persons without employees, can receive additional income support for a three-month period via an accelerated procedure at their municipality or your Jamenta. Further, an emergency provision 
provision will be open for entrepreneurs with a physical enterprise outside of their home to claim a one-off contribution of 4,000 euros. That's intended for entrepreneurs who have been directly impacted by the measures to combat the spread of coronavirus, such as bars and restaurants. Employers who expect a loss of at least 20% can apply to the UVA for compensation for labor costs for their employees for a three-month period. Struggling companies can apply for a special deferral for paying wage tax, T, income tax, corporate income tax. And there will also be a temporary reduction on the interest rate and the interest rate on overdue taxes. Uh, Moreover, there will be a suspension of the energy tax and the levy of the surcharge for sustainable energy for companies. And companies that experience difficulties in obtaining bank loans and bank guarantees can use the Entrepreneur Finance Guarantee Scheme, which is a sort of like lending procedure from the government. Finally, the government is working on a compensation scheme for the loss of income in sectors severely affected by the measures taken to combat the spread of coronavirus that will have to be approved by the European Commission to ensure that it doesn't violate state aid rules. Uh, The Danish government submitted plans to compensate companies that had to cancel events with more than a thousand people that was signed off on within 24 hours, which if you're familiar with the European Union is a (laughs) coronavirus miracle. Uh, The competition commissioner, Margrethe Vestager, said in a statement this week that our goal here is to make sure that businesses have the liquidity that they need to keep operating and to make sure that support reaches the companies that need it. Most economists say that they just do not know what's going to happen. The director of the Nederlandse Bank, Klaas Knot, could not rule out the possibility that corona pandemic would bring the Dutch economy into recession. You don't need a very heavy corona scenario on top of what we expect that our economy will be close to recession. He told that to News Or this week. The Dutch economy was expected to grow by 1.4% in 2020, but growth could be 0.8% lower due to the corona outbreak. That's according to assessments from the Bureau for Economic Policy and Analysis, or Het Centraal Plan Bureau. In other economic news, the Dutch statistics agency CBS reported this week that the Netherlands has 200,000 millionaires, a 2.7% increase over last year. And if Gordon's payment plans will go through, then uh, this number will uh, will It'll be 2001, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Although we, we also saw that um, I think one in five people in Rosendale is a millionaire. Yeah. Um, I think that was a where, Whereabouts are you from, Paul? That's uh, a different Rosendale. Ah. Oh, it's the other Rosendale. Ah, it's the one yeah, 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 Yes, okay. Yeah, 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 That's too bad. We were uh, all going to hit you up for a financial aid package, Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you have two different Rosendales, and it's also very, always very confusing. Rosendale is the uh, village, the gemeente with the highest millionaire density of the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, and they're also always the first to count uh, the votes uh, after an election. They're always, yeah, they're always combating with uh, Ter Schelling, I believe, to have the results come out first. So that's a little fun fact uh, in between the corona yep. news. Some fun bit economics bit fun fact. The, yeah, the fun, yeah. fun fact when we get back to normal things like elections. Yeah, let's talk some positive yeah, news. There's been a number of uh, positive or yeah, um, relatively positive uh, angles to the uh, coronavirus um, story, as well as the misery of empty supermarket shelves, cancelled holidays and daily exposure to Hugo de Jong's shoes. There are signs the coronavirus is creating a sense of community. <laughs> <laughs> Corona help or Corona help hashtags have been springing up all over social media as people's attention has turned to the most vulnerable and isolated in society. More than 6,000 people have joined the Facebook group Amsterdam Corona Help since it was launched a week ago. Uh, That allows people to help out with grocery shopping, finding out-of-stock items, even offering each other temporary accommodation as well. So there's people who've been on holiday and suddenly realise they can't go home. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. A A website launched by four students called Gewoon Mensen die Mensen Willen Helper has attracted more than a thousand members and the Corona Help hashtag has been used by people wanting to help out the elderly or those working in essential sectors. The Red Cross has also opened up a hotline for people who are in quarantine or self-isolation and who need help uh, or sometimes just uh, some kind of human contact. Uh, we'll put details of all these services uh, in our liner notes as well. 
Yeah, we did a whole roundup yeah. on the site of just like a bunch of those kinds of stuff. So hopefully, you yeah. know, if people need help or if they want to help, you can find some uh, some things. Yes, and also a lot of uh, people who were uh, some healthcare professionals who were in retirement, they uh, they called the hospitals where they used to work to see if then their help was uh, was needed. So thousands of these people are also helping uh, helping hospitals uh, as well. So yeah, um, a big thank you for for all these uh, uh, healthcare workers. Uh, speaking of thank yous for healthcare um, uh, workers, there was also a lot of applause uh, in the past week, wasn't there? Yes, uh, Wednesday night people uh, went out their, their doors at um, 8 o'clock, exactly 8 o'clock because this is the Netherlands, uh, all they hung out their windows uh, and they applaud, so, so they could applaud the healthcare workers on the front line of the crisis, which is a very nice gesture. I think we, you saw that in most neighbourhoods, uh, didn't we? D d definitely out in my yeah. street and I think... Uh, uh, Molly, you, you were mentioning that uh, that people were applauding, and there was a person in the in the street actually counting who was applauding and who wasn't. Yes, uh, my my street has a self self designated, self elected, self appointed mayor, and he counted who was participating in the applause, and then yeah. said that he expected there to be more people when there was applause next week, For which of course sake. means I'm going to shut my curtains because I'm a petty petty person. Totally. Yeah, uh, and of course some yeah. Uh, some people manage to let off fireworks because there's always someone in every street who's got a secret fireworks stash. Yeah. These kinds of yes, and, and they're not allowed to 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 fire it anymore. Uh, no. Starting next, yeah, from next year, so they have to uh, make sure that they will uh, run out run out of yeah. their fireworks before then. That's really good to use up their fireworks. So it's a perfect yeah. opportunity. Uh, then on Thursday at seven o'clock, all the churches rang their bells to express solidarity. Of course, many church services uh, have been suspended because of the restrictions on public gatherings. Also, weddings and funerals. Um, have had to have reduced numbers. Uh, last weekend, some churches in the Bible Belt caused Ophef because they were seen as encouraging large numbers of people to congregate together. Uh, that's especially grievous because, of course, these are also the people who will refuse the coronavirus vaccine when it's been developed. Yes, yeah, so that's indeed. great. I saw this um, uh, televangelist uh, from, from, from the US who looks like a demon in disguise, by the way. He, Don't they uh, all? He said, well, not, not all, but this, this guy in particular, that's a, that's a guy with the, uh, with the private jets. You know who I'm, me now? Um, yes. Uh, he, uh, he called on his followers to do not stop donating money to his church, even if they... Uh, uh, if they die of coronavirus? Even if they die of coronavirus, if they um, if they get fired because of the coronavirus uh, right. uh, uh, impact, so yeah, uh, I was just very annoyed by this person. Have either of you seen any um, particularly in, um, inspiring, uh, positive uh, things that people are doing? Um, I have. So a friend of mine uh, who has a bit of a side hustle doing like dog walking services has been volunteering to walk the dogs of medical professionals in The Hague who are working like long shifts. So she was tweeting yeah. about this. So I retweeted that that tweet. So if you're if you're listening and you're in The Hague and you work in a hospital or something and you, you know, need some help stepping up to get to get Fido out the door and some exercise where you're working long shifts on the front lines, uh, you know, you can uh, you can contact her. I thought that that was like a really nice, uh, nice initiative. What about you guys? Have you seen anything? good uh, the only thing i saw was a video of um people in london where um because obviously you, people can't go to gyms anymore people are going out to the park um and uh, i saw a bunch of guys who were taking turns to like lift a baby and put it down again <laughs> sort of five times because that's combining that's combining taking the kids out with doing your with doing your gym routine which yeah. you can't do in the gym because it's shut so that was quite nice and did, did he share his baby with all the other people in the park or uh, what? well this is the thing yeah if everyone's taking turns to pick up the baby they should be wearing gloves oh really <laughs> yeah so maybe yeah they should have been wearing gloves there's kind of pluses oh. and yeah yeah maybe they need to have another think about how they the do Dutch, that the it's Dutch, a nice idea 
the Dutch version of Men's Health magazine put out an article yesterday of like seven exercises you can do with your dog, which which was very entertaining. <laughs> so maybe we're gonna try out some of that this weekend when we need a little little exercise. I also saw this uh, this Dutch celebrity Ari Boomsma, who is uh, also some sort of fitness. Um, uh, person and he um, put on his Instagram account a video uh, with uh, with tips that you can uh, you know exercise tips which you can do with your toilet papers your rolls of toilet paper but uh, when I saw that I was immediately tempted to throw away all my toilet paper out of the window because I didn't want to do any of it um, <laughs> and I also heard about um, uh, this supermarket I'm not sure where exactly it was uh, but uh, the supermarket somewhere in the in the country which uh, had special opening hours for people working in uh, in the healthcare oh, yeah. um, like the, the first hour between eight o'clock and nine o'clock uh, 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 only healthcare people were allowed to to go inside because it's it's there apparently it's a, uh, when people start hoarding uh, people who work in healthcare and work in hospitals and they come home after a long day um, uh, of uh, taking care of people they yeah. find the uh, the supermarkets completely no empty yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no supplies whatsoever so the supermarket started this initiative to uh, to help these people and uh, also if they were working in the hospital then they could uh, sort of uh, 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 send someone uh, someone over to uh, to to get their groceries so that was really nice as well i think so guys i've got some non-corona yes. news are well we excited I'm we are very excited. Beside what myself. is it? Yeah. The Netherlands Institute for Human Rights has ruled that different prices <laughs> for haircuts for men and women violate gender discrimination laws in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. uh, Winnie Hansen brought the complaint before the Institute, which offers non-binding legal advice based on Dutch human rights legislation, after visiting two hair salons and discovering substantially different prices for men's and women's haircuts. During a hearing in February, representatives from the hair salons Tony and Guy and Cosmos defended their pricing structures. 98% of Cosmos customers want the luxury experience, said Cosmos CEO Mela Venman. The hair salons mm. argued that women's services take longer and thus must be more expensive. We don't want them to go out the door with wet hair, Veneman said. The three-member panel of the Institute's advisory board found, quote, that the lack of freedom for choice for women forces them to choose longer and more elaborate treatments with a higher price, even if their haircut does not require a more elaborate treatment. According to the Institute, both salons should describe on their price list the content and elements of the treatments offered and link the rates only to those. While non-binding, recommendations from the Institute are voluntarily followed about 80% of the time. Right. There's our non-corona okay. news. Yeah. Thank you very much. So yeah. I texted. Very grateful. I texted my uh, hairdresser and said, "Hey, you gotta you gotta charge me and uh, my partner the same rate. We go to the the same guy to get our haircut." And mm -hmm. he texted me back and said, "I'm gonna charge you more for being cheeky." So this plan has backfired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He'll just yeah. Knowing the Dutch, they'll just put up the prices for men now. They won't yeah, they're just the gonna put up the prices all. for yeah. men. I think that that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, or I, I, you do an hourly rate or something, then yeah. uh, you can uh, you can just time. Uh, yeah. how, how much money you're going to have to no. uh, pay. No, I, I think, uh, and I think Paul will agree with me here, that, 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 that it should be depending on how long your hair is to start with. They should measure it yes. yeah. with a tape measure first. You know, and people with longer hair, whether they're male or female, should just be charged more because it's more of a pain in the ass. 
That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. And you can earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. Uh, my thanks to Gordon Tarek and Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Thank you.